0: Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Starkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at starkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. If you've got your Bibles or your device this morning, you can open up to John chapter 14. We're continuing, continuing our trek through the gospel according to John, the gospel according to Jesus' best friend. He was the beloved disciple. He's closer to Jesus. He gives us insights in John that you can't find in the Synoptic or the similar Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so, uh, so it's incredible stuff coming from a firsthand experience from somebody who had an up close and personal relationship with Jesus. Not just uh, not just the Jesus, the Jesus in his real first life, but also in the resurrected life of Jesus as he writes the Gospel. Excuse me, the Revelation in the end. And so, in John chapter. Chapter 14. Last week we began a message that I entitled "I Ain't Afraid of No Ghost," and I'll tell you the story how that came about. If you weren't here last week, uh, I was fogging the uh, the place for with disinfectant, and I got a backpack. and One of our guys says, uh, "Who you gonna call?" Then I said, uh, Ghostbusters. And then, and, and the message was an introduction to the Holy Spirit. Jesus introduced us to God the Father, the first part of the Trinity, the Triune God, uh, in at the first of John chapter fourteen. And now He's going to introduce us into the other part of the trinity uh the triune god which is the holy spirit god and so the holy spirit in king james is called the holy ghost and so uh sometimes we act like we're afraid of the holy spirit of god the holy ghost and we shouldn't be because he was given to help us in empowering us to live the christian life to to navigate the christian journey and so uh, he's an incredible person of God. And we talked about last week that in the Old Testament, God the Father is introduced as God reaching down to earth to have relationship with humanity. And then we get to the New Testament. It's Jesus, God the Son, coming down to earth to make a way for us to have relationship with God. And then when Jesus ascended back to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit God to in us and to stay on this earth to help us live the Christian life uh, for God. Now, there's five actions, roles, activities, or goals of the Holy Spirit that we're going to look at. Most of those, the biggest part of those are in John chapter 14, but we'll be moving around the Bible a little bit to find out who the Holy Spirit is to be in your life. And I say who because it's common for us to say, to refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. The Holy Spirit of God is not an it. The Holy Spirit of God is a person, okay? There's three parts of God, and they are co-equal, and co-eternal, all right? None less, none more, all the same. Co-equal, co-eternal. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, we can't really wrap our minds around something God-sized like that, but it's true. Nonetheless, that's what Scripture says. Now, in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 16, the introduction to the Holy Spirit last week, we just saw one point of the five, It's found in verse 16. It says, Then Jesus is speaking. He says, Then I will ask the Father God, and he will give you another advocate. To be with you forever. The word advocate is parakletos. In Greek it means somebody to come alongside you. To defend you. To speak on your behalf when you don't have words. To defend yourself. And so it's important that we understand the first thing the Holy Spirit does is He appeals for you. He's like your personal spiritual attorney, all right? He appeals on your behalf. He comes alongside you to help you. Now, from from appealing, number two, not only does he appeal, he fills. F-I-L-L-S, he fills. Listen what it says in verse 17 of John chapter 14. It says, he he says, I'm going to give you, and this is who he says, another advocate, and he said, now he defines in verse 17, he says, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot accept because it does not see him or know him but you know him because he resides with you and will be in you i will not abandon you as orphans i will come to you and then he says in verse 19 in a little while the lord will not see my will not see me any longer but you will see me because i live you will live too you will know at that time that i am the father I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. The person who has my commandments and obeys them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will reveal myself to him. Lord Judas, not Iscariot, said, What has happened that you are going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Verse 23, Jesus replied, and he said, If anyone loves me, he will obey my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and take up residence with him. The person who does not love me does not obey my words. And the word you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. So the second thing the Holy Spirit is sent to do is to fill you, to take up residence in you, to abide in you. He uses three words. He says, we will come to you. We will be with you. We will be in you. He wants to make it very clear that the Holy Spirit God is not a distant God. He's not a God who whipped everything into motion and then walked away. He is a God who whipped everything into motion and jumped in the middle of it. All right. First he did it through his word, then he did it through his person, Jesus, who said in John, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and became flesh. So the word of God became the flesh of God, and ultimately now we experience the spirit of God. God is intricately, intimately connected to this world. And he wants to be intricately and intimately connected with you. He's not a distant God who is a cosmic killjoy waiting for you to do something bad so He can just give you a whack. It's not who He is. He wants a personal love relationship with you. He's made it possible through Jesus, His Son, and His sacrifice on a cross, and now He sent His Holy Spirit to help you experience God in this life that we live. Now, he he says something really interesting, and we're going to see it come out a lot today, and it's this, for you and for me to have a relationship with God that's real and active and vibrant and victorious, it's critically important that we obey what he says to do. Now, we live in a world that wants to claim or profess Christianity without actually possessing Christianity. We live in a world that wants an easy believism that says, okay, I got my ticket punched, I'm going to heaven when I die, but between now and that moment, I'm just going to live kind of a hellish life. That doesn't work. It's not real. It's just not there. It's so not real that this is the story. If you claim Christianity, but you live like the devil, either you're not a Christian or you're under the judgment of God, he disciplines his children. So, so when somebody comes and talks to me, and man, they're living, there's no judgment in their life. They're, there's nothing hurting, no, no suffering, no difficulties in their life. And man, they're just living in the world, they're lost. You cannot be a child of God, live like the world, and not be undisciplined. The Bible said, if you've never been disciplined by the Father, you can't be considered. A child of God. So it's important that we understand we're supposed to obey what he says. Jesus died to give us life, and that life should look like how he says to live and how he lived his life upon this earth. And it gets a little difficult because you say, okay, so what does that even mean to obey the word of God? Does it mean you have to memorize this whole book and go back to the Old Testament and and learn those laws and all that stuff? How do you do that? Well, Jesus knew who He created when He created you and me. And He knew that we ain't that smart. He knew that we are easily tangled up, easily confused. So He made it extremely Simple. It's called the great commandment. The thing we must do to please God. You see, the Pharisees, the the brilliant Jews, came to Jesus and they said, oh, you know, you're the teacher and everything. So uh, which one's the greatest commandment? They were just trying to mess him up because they know if he chose one, he would be downplaying the others. So here's what he says. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, Jesus answers and tells us what it is we're supposed to do and how it is we're supposed to live. It's really simple. You ready? It's called the great commandment. Here's what Jesus said. He said, this is it. You ready? He says, Pharisees, you listening? He's saying, churchy, Sturkey Hills, you listening? Here it is. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is just like it. And that is to love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, all of the law. All of the prophets, everything in the rest of this book, you can hang it all on those two simple things. You just love God with everything you have, and you love everybody else the same. Now, do you know how powerfully important that is in today's culture? Okay? We're supposed to love everybody. A- and you turn on the television, it's just saturated with lawlessness and wickedness and foolishness. I'll give you an example. BLM. Black Lives Matters. I will not embrace Black Lives Matters, the organization, because it stands in opposition to almost everything we believe. The nuclear family. It stands in opposition to, uh, uh, to police officers. It stands in opposition to, uh, to the, the, the value of a, of a baby in a womb. Everything we stand for from this book, they stand against. So we won't, I won't embrace it. And our church won't. But I'll embrace this. Black people matter. You better believe they do. But they matter no more, no less than white people. Asian people, poor people, wealthy people, gifted people, uh, ungifted people. We are all part of one race called the human race. And Jesus says, listen, when you get your heart right with Him, listen, okay, you ready? When you get your vertical life right, your heart, soul, and mind loving the God who created you, all of a sudden your horizontal life gets right. You love everybody else because you realize everybody carries The image of God upon them. And so you have to love everybody the same. Now let me explain something. What do you do when people just stand adamantly opposed to this? When people are just antagonistic against God and against Jesus and against the church. You know what? You love them the same. It's easy to love people that are easy to love. It's the enemies. The people that are hard to love that you got to love. Jesus said you got to love them all. Why? Because Jesus loved us all when we hated Him. When we stood against God and rebelled against what how He wanted us to live, He continued to love us, and He's a picture, a role model, a template, and an example of how we're supposed to love. Now I tell people this way: we got to love everybody. Some people just easier love at a distance. OK, and I want you to know God's OK with that. You don't have to get up in their business and just be abused. Some people you can say, hey, I love you. I got to go. All right. Some, but we have to love everybody. Now, that's the great commandment. Now, the greatest demonstration of being obedient to the great commandment was also taught by Jesus in Matthew 28. And it is the great commission. It is the great commandment on display. How can you love God except by loving other people? The greatest way you can show your love for God is by loving other people. And how can you love other people? The greatest way is to share the good news of Jesus, to tell what Jesus has done in your life. And if he hasn't done anything in your life, then it'd be a good day for him to do something in your life. And when that happens, then you're supposed to tell what Jesus has done in your life. Listen to what the Great Commission says. Matthew 28, 19, Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them what? To obey. It's back to obedience again. Obey everything I have commanded you. What did he command? The great commandment. Love God, heart, soul, and mind. Love everybody else just like you love yourself. And surely I am with you always to the end of the earth. Now, why is it important if you claim Christianity if you say, if somebody says, hey, everybody, if you're a Christian, raise your hand. Man, you put your hand up. I'm a Christian. You know, I'm, I, I, for whatever reason, how you understand that, you say, I'm a Christian. Then why is it important that you live a holy life? Why is it important that you are set apart or sanctified? Why is it important your life should look different than everybody else in the world? Well, there's a reason, and it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. It says, do you not know... That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You have been bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Listen, tell the person sitting next to you, it matters how you live your life. Just tell them, it matters. We live in a world that just wants to live however we want to live and then expect God to bless us. To, and expect to walk in communion with a holy God. When you walk in disobedience, holy God ain't walking with you. Now, if you're saved, his Holy Spirit is in you, but he is not empowering you, and he is, you have quenched and resisted the direction of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Bible says, your body is the temple. Of the Holy Spirit, you see, in the Old Testament, they would build a huge temple, and people would go there, and it represented. They would have the Ark of the Covenant in there, and it represented the presence of God. That's why the Raiders the Lost Ark, man. They're wanting the Ark because that's the presence of God, right? And, and so they had a temple that they built with hands that represented God's presence. In the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit, when we get saved in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit comes into us, we are now the temple. It's why church should be something special. Because you and you and you and you and you, you and you and you and you and me, those of us that are born again, the Holy Spirit lives in us, there's something that happens when all of the little temples, us, come together in corporate worship of God. Something happens, okay? It's why in the New Testament, it was so important that the church continued to faithfully meet together. You might have seen this week that one of my heroes of the faith is a guy named John MacArthur. Okay. John MacArthur's been pastoring a church in California for 50 years. He's written commentaries on almost every book in the Bible. He's a a brilliant guy. He's an old guy. Don't get me wrong. And sometimes he says some things are a little old. Okay. But he is an amazing man of God who understands God's word. And so in California, they abided by the laws of California, which you know, that's a crazy state. Just call it what it is. And, and so they, they, he began to buy, abide by the laws. And, and so everybody stayed out. And they stayed out for weeks and weeks and weeks. Well, about 10 weeks into it or so, people got tired of watching him on Facebook Live. So they just started coming to church. They didn't ask anybody. They just came to church. Because he, and, and, and John MacArthur had been preaching to an empty room and a camera. They just started coming, Okay. Now 4,000 people are coming to church on Sunday. They're meeting in an overflow in a big tent and in the worship center. And the governor says, you've got to tell them to stay home. He says, I ain't doing that. I didn't tell them to come. You tell them to stay home. Okay? Put them all in jail. Put me in jail. I, we're, we do not listen to man. Listen. We listen to God, and God has told us to come together. And this way what he said. He said, and if I'm going to get, he said, listen, there's 40 million people. I think that's right. In California. 8,500 of them have died with, with uh, COVID-19. He said, that means I've got a 99.9% chance of living. And if I get it at church and I go home to be with the Lord, what a good place to go from. Amen. I'd whole lot rather get it at church than get it down here at Weigel's. And I'm going there, you know, sticking my hand in the donut box where everybody else had their head and they're slobbering around. Okay, <clears throat> or at the Home Depot when they put a plastic shield right in your face, and when you get up there, your spit's bouncing, bouncing off somebody else's spit right back in your face. Okay, I don't get it, but it is what it is. Okay, and we're good citizens as Christians, and, and so so when the Holy Spirit lives in you, you are different. You're supposed to live different. You're supposed to walk and navigate with God in this world. Ephesians five eighteen says, "How much are we supposed to surrender?" To the Holy Spirit in our life, he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. It's To be filled is a perpetual, ongoing, repetitive thing. It means every day got to get our tank juiced up on the Holy Spirit. Every day we should begin our day reading His Word, praying with the needs of our life, and saying, God, now fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me live a good day for you. I ain't worried about tomorrow. I'll start all over again tomorrow. I'm just today. today. Because today the enemy's coming, okay? And he is. And today there's people who are going to come into my circle that God has ordained that I need to help them in the darkness of their world. Because I'm supposed to be a light bearer. I'm supposed to be a truth sharer, okay? And so help me be that guy, Acts chapter 1, this is, this is what it looks like. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, he warned them. He said, listen, the power, the word there is dunamis. We get our word dynamite. Now, when's the last time somebody in your life lived for Jesus like dynamite? I remember when I was a kid, this old people. There was a show called Good Times. Anybody remember who, who, who the character was on Good Times? And what was his nickname? Dynamite. You remember Dynamite? Okay. That's the way our life should live. And yet, what do we do? We live lukewarm, apathetic, miserable, defeated. You a Christian? Yeah. Well, won't you tell your face? Okay. Yeah, I'm just living for Jesus. You know, just miserably living for Jesus. Experiencing defeat after defeat. I love my Christian walk. No, he says, when you get the Holy Spirit, you receive power. It means in the most difficult, darkest moment of your life, you got victory. Because you know the God who knows all the answers, okay? And just so happens part of Him lives within you because you're a temple of the Most High God. So what did it look like initially when the Holy Spirit first came? Okay, Jesus said, he's coming to you guys. Okay, you know, headline, the Holy Spirit's coming. In Acts chapter 2, he shows up. Listen to what happens. This is when the day of Pentecost came. This is they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. That's a little scary right here. Okay. It's like little it look like this. All this. How do you describe God? Well, it's all the words he had. This is all. That's all he had. Okay. And it's a like little flames of fire that came and landed on all the people that were there. <clears throat> and it says, uh, verse four, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit enabled them. Now, right now, I promise you, somebody in this room said, uh oh, he's getting ready to tell us we all need to be speaking in tongues. Okay. No, that's not what I'm going to tell you. In fact, that's not true. Everybody is not supposed to speak in foreign tongues. Okay? It is a gift of God, just like the other gifts. Okay? Paul said, pursue it the least of all gifts. Paul said, if you speak a thousand languages, but you have not love, you are just a clanging symbol. So that's not what we're talking about. They did speak in tongues, though, right here. Now, Why? Why? The same reason, if God gives you a tongue to speak today, the same reason you would speak in tongues. You ready for it? Not to impress your neighbors. Not to show the person beside you how spiritually gifted you are. Not to demonstrate how close you are to God, that you've got the Holy Spirit, and the gift to speak tongues. That's not what it's about. Listen what it says. It says, so these tongues came like fire, and it enabled them to speak these languages. Verse 5, here's why. And there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. So now all these people who's from different places speak in different languages, they come to see what's happening at Pentecost. And it says because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? <clears throat> then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language verse 32 let's move a little further down god they're speaking this is what they say they're talking about jesus and they said god has raised this life this jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it exalted to the right hand of god he has received from the father the promised holy spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear verse 38 then peter replied why are they speaking in tongues Because there's people in Jerusalem who spoke different languages and God is going to get his message about Jesus being God in the flesh, given on a cross, resurrected from the dead to save us from our sin. He's going to get his message out. So he gave the early disciples and apostles the ability to speak languages so everybody could get the message. What's the message? Verse 38, Peter now replied, so repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off. He says, "The reason we're speaking in this language because what we're telling you is for the whole stinking world." All right, and then he goes on. He says, "He says it's for all of y'all." Verse forty, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, "Save yourselves from this corrupt generation." And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number on that day. Why did they speak in tongues? Why were they gifted with the Holy Spirit, Spirit's ability to speak other languages? Because there were lost people who needed to hear the message from around the world, and they heard it, and they were saved. Being filled with the Spirit is not necessarily being able to speak in some foreign language. Rachel travels to Brazil, Dominican Republic, other places around the world. She, just like I, I go to Africa and Brazil and, and Honduras. And I, every time I go over there, I say, Hey, Lord, if you want to give me the gift of tongues, it'd make it a whole lot easier. We'll save our money on that translator. And You know me. i give you all the glory. And that ain't never happened. It ain't never happened but the Holy Spirit, I'm the temple of God. He lives in me. I'm saved, born again, going to heaven when I die. Okay. I live in the power of the Holy Spirit. He did not give me the gift of tongues and he hasn't yet. But you know what? Whenever this whole pandemic gets behind us, I'll go back to Brazil. Look forward to it. I'll go to Africa. I'll go wherever God wants me to go. And every time I go, now God, same prayer. If you want me to speak this language, all you got to do is give it to me. Okay. And he, he didn't give it to me. He gives me a translator. Okay. Why? He's Probably try to take care of the translators. The only some, the few dollars they get. Okay, so here now, verse 42. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit now, just like this early church, listen what it looks like. It says, now they, 3,000 plus, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Man, you get hungry for the Word of God. It's radically changed your existence, and you want to know more. It says, and to fellowship, coming together with other believers and the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the wonders of the signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and they had everything in common. So now listen to this. He's going to continue. Listen to the things. This, listen. When your life is, is filled with the Holy Spirit, because this is the point, He fills you. When, 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 when you let Him fill your life, listen how it radically changes you from being your old you to the new you. The new you looks like Jesus knew. This is what it says in f- verse 45. It says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. It affects our finances. And we let go and we start giving right. You get that? When the Holy Spirit is real in our life, one sign is that we let go of, where is it at? Mine's easy to let go. It ain't got nothing in it. Okay? We let go of this. Oh, I lied from the pulpit. I have $3, okay? Kendra gave me my allowance for next week, okay? But when we get filled with the Spirit, we don't worry about this, okay? But because we, instead of being white-knuckled and preventing God from giving us more, man, we just hang on. If I let this go, man, I'm not going to have it. If you let that go, He'll send more. That's just real. So you, you don't worry about your money anymore. Number, verse 46, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. It affects our faithfulness. Our church attendance is affected because the Holy Spirit lives us. Listen, and you're a temple, and you know what your temple has a desire when you're filled by the Holy Spirit? You know what your temple desires? Hanging out with other temples. Everybody coming together, one big old temple, Holy Spirit in one big place together. It's just good stuff. It should feel like that, okay? Thirdly, in verse 47, And the second half of 36, it says, they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. It affects our fellowship. You want to meet in groups, man. Some of the the most fantastic friends I have ever had in my life are Christians. I've got friends who are not Christians, okay? And I want them to be a Christian. But the greatest times we, our family has ever had in our life has been with other Christian people. For me personally as a man, the greatest relationships, the greatest times I've ever had are with Christian men. My family, <coughs> I raised two daughters, now we've got grandchildren, one coming September 10th, and man... I, the best times our family has ever had. Caitlin's one of my daughters right here. Kelsey came to the early service. She's probably gone now. Caitlin, the funnest times we've had growing up were with families who are Christian families. And, amen. That's right. It's just amazing. And, and 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 I might not see them for thirty years, and then we come together and it's like we were together last like yesterday. It just takes off from where it left off. There's something that happens when we come together and our fellowship in the, in the Holy Spirit. And our fellowship is strengthened. So He appeals for you. He feels you, number three, He reveals. He reveals the Holy Spirit. He reveals. Listen to what it says in verse 25. It says, I have spoken these things while staying with you, but the advocate, the parakletos, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Here's why he said He says, I'm, I'm going to tell you now why, he's, why I'm going to send Him. He's going to reveal some stuff to you. He's going to teach you everything and cause you to remember everything I said to you. Now that word teach in the Greek is Didasko. Here's what it means to teach, to speak, and to direct. Okay? I got called to preach, no doubt about it, when I was in middle school, okay? And I was an ignorant little elementary school, middle school, I got saved in elementary school, ignorant, okay? In, in middle school, my nickname was Brother Dew. We would go on field trips. I was raised in church. I was 18 years old. I couldn't tell you the difference between Moses and Noah. I could have been Moses' Ark and Noah and the Ten Commandments. I got nothing, okay? Because I was I was wired, okay? And I couldn't listen good. I couldn't learn well. All right. And, and 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 so we'd go on field trips. I'd I'd make up Bible stories. And they would pass a hat and pay me. I should have been struck by lightning. Okay? We serve a gracious God. I am a testimony of that. Poster child. Okay? And so what happened was was all along the way, I'm not getting it, but man, I'm I'm saved and sealed by the Holy Spirit. I know I am. And I would try to do wrong and I would. I was good at it, but I would just he just gnawed at me. I was convicted when I did wrong. I didn't enjoy living in sin. Okay. And I get disciplined for it because I was a child of God. All right. And then in 1988, That's when I had the moment when God, I thought he was going to kill me from a choir loft in a church in Chattanooga. And he said, I said, are you going to take me? I got two little girls or one little girl went on the way. Are you going to kill me from this choir loft? And his Holy Spirit just spoke to me. He says, you gave me your heart when you were 10. I got more. I want your life to go with it. (laughs) I was like, you got it. Got my attention. Okay. And everything changed when I gave him, when I accepted lordship to go with my salvation. Okay, and His Holy Spirit came alive. It, it just it just exploded in me. He reveals things, and so I've shared the story. I did not like to read. Okay, and I had a little red Gideon Testament, and I worked in I was an engineer in a in a plant in Chattanooga, and I would take that little red Testament when I went to the bathroom. Yeah, the pastor goes to the bathroom. You do too. So shut up. Okay, so so I would get that little red Testament out, and at the time. The only color highlighter that was in existence was yellow. Now you can get everything in the rainbow. It was yellow. That little testament, I started reading Matthew, the genealogy of Jesus, and it was alive. I'm highlighting the genealogy. I didn't even like reading. I'm Oh, that's good stuff. Huh? Next thing you know, I needed a roller. It was all good. It was just coming into me. Okay? I'm telling you, that's what happened when I surrendered to it. And so he began to reveal who he was and what his word was <clears throat> really all about. 1 Corinthians 2, why is that so important that the Holy Spirit teaches you? Because you live in a world, man, that wants to teach you everything under the sun. The world has an ideology. The world has a philosophy. The world has a way at looking at things. And then there's God's ideology and God's philosophy and God's way of doing life and when you get that when you hear all this stuff from the world you can just say yeah i hear you but it's wrong all right we need that first corinthians 2 verse 6 says we do however speak a message of wisdom among the mature not the wisdom of this age or of rulers of this age who are coming to nothing when you turn on the television you got some some idiot on there just throwing up all kinds of information and you know it's wrong in the in the core of your soul you know it's not God's view okay scripture says that stuff is coming to nothing all right he doesn't stop there he says no we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began none of the rulers of this age understood it but if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. You see, He speaks truth. It's all He's got. The Holy Spirit don't have a, a lie game. He don't have a, uh, a straight face. Because his face is always straight. He's got nothing to hide. He, he's always speaking truth. And his word is always true. In a world that denies it, in a world that pushes back against it, his word is and will continue to always be true. Now down in verse 14, he addresses the world's view again. He says, The person without the Spirit, the lost person, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they're discerned only through the spirit so when you witness to your friends or maybe you invite them to church and man they just look at and say that's that's foolishness going to church i'm not going to church that's foolishness i'm going to waste my sunday morning that's foolishness it's because they don't have the spirit in them the holy spirit will help you know right from wrong good from bad up from down and we live in a world that's got that twisted up you know i'm telling the truth and so <clears throat> so he reveals things. Now, sometimes when I'm preaching, or maybe I'm just talking, uh, Tanner and I saw a guy on last week during the family Bible school, and there was a guy sitting out there on the curb, and he, you could tell he was, he was in a bad way. And uh, I don't think he was high, he was, just in, he was hurting. And so the Lord does this to me, he just sends me over there, okay? So I go, hey man, how you doing? And I and, uh, started talking with him. I didn't know what I was going to say to the guy. Now, you're talking about a life had a rough life, rough, most of it in prison, no father, no mother, you know, just a mess, an absolute mess, had some anger issues, you know, beat up a lot of people, went to jail, to prison, not to jail, and, but he got saved, man, I knew, now, I'm telling you, he doesn't look like poster child for Christian, okay, okay, you talked to him, and you could hear the Holy Spirit was in him, okay? But he was just in a dark spot. Now, I'm t- this, is, this is the thing. I don't know what to say to that guy. So you know what I told him? I, I told him. I said, I, I haven't been in your shoes. I haven't walked that life. My family didn't look like that. My journey didn't look like that. But the same God that you've testified who lives in you is the same God who lives in me. And we look entirely different, okay? We joked about it, okay? But I told him I said I don't really have an answer to your question cuz I haven't walked in your shoes. I said, "But I know this. You've confessed that the Holy Spirit of God lives in you and you're born again, okay? He knows he knows what suffering's like. You think you've had a hard life? Let somebody nail you to a cross after being perfect. Let somebody rip your clothes off, you buck naked and beat you on a whipping post until you're unrecognizable. He understands your pain." Now I didn't. I didn't think about. Okay, what am I going to say? Okay, I'm going to tell him about Jesus on the cross. You know, I didn't know that. The Holy Spirit gives it. Sometimes I'll preach, and I'll say something, and Kendra gets on to me for saying this. I'll say something. It's good stuff, and I'll, I'll know I've never said it before in my life. And I'll say, I'll say, I'll say something. I'll say, I never said that before in my life. You need to write that down. That's good stuff. That just came from God. I'll say that, and Kendra will say, I wish you wouldn't do that. I say, why? Quenching the Holy Spirit. Why? And she, she said, because you don't know that you hadn't said that before. I'm telling you this. I, I hadn't said it before. Okay? And if I did, I didn't know I said it. Okay? And if I said it, it didn't come from the Holy Spirit. It came from me. But when something is revealed by the Holy Spirit, it comes into your soul. Okay? And nothing can change that. And that's the life we're supposed to live filled with the Holy Spirit revealing the truth of God in our life. Number four, number four. So he appeals, he feels, he reveals. Now watch this, he heals you. He heals us. Romans 8, chapter 5, it says, For those who live according to the flesh have their outlook shaped by the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their outlook shaped by the things of the Spirit. For the outlook of the flesh is death, but the outlook of the Spirit is life and peace. Because the outlook of the flesh is hostile to God and it does not submit to the law of God, nor is it able to do so. Here's that obedience thing again. He says in verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, this person does not belong to him. Well, that's heavy stuff. He's talking about man, if you want to be obedient, you got to live in the spirit and if you're saved, you you got Jesus is living in you. And if you don't have any desire to do that, then here it says, he says, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, this person does not belong to him. If the spirit is not in you, you are going to hell. You are lost, separated from God in your original sin condition. That's what it's just that simple. Okay? Then he goes on and he says in verse 10, "But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is your life because of righteousness." You see, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he does his work from the inside out. We work on and when we're living in the flesh, we work on things from the outside in. We stand in front of the mirror, make sure we don't have something hanging out of our teeth, okay? But fix our hair, brush, you know, get ourselves ready, put on a nice shirt, nice clothes, you know, we fix the outside up. Meanwhile, the Holy Spirit says, that's cool. You know, you need to do the best you can with what you got. And for some of us, it, you know, we ain't got much to work with. Okay. But he says, I got something better. I want to begin to work on the inside. And then when I fix the inside, it'll fix the outside. I've shared this story before. I got to share it again. I had a little girl in Alabama who loved Jesus. And she, was, uh, she had some disabilities. And uh, and she she didn't bring much to the world in terms of her flesh existence okay she was broken and and when she spoke though she just had a joy about her because the holy spirit was inside of her and it pushed through what was on the outside and one time we were playing basketball and uh, and we play basketball wednesday nights with the students and I'd say, who wants to play stand on the wall? And I'd get some coaches, and and we'd pick them. We'd pick players, you know, you and you and you. So one night, this guy, Alan Gearhart, says, "Uh, I'm going to, he says, I said, you pick first, and the second person gets two. And he looked over at her, and he picked her. (laughs) She did not bring anything to the basketball arena, okay? Zero. And he says, I'll take Brandy. And first time in her life, probably she was picked first. She's standing over there, and she said, me? And he says, yeah, like she was LeBron James. And so she came over there. and Well, she, she, she swole up. I mean, she was, she was happy. She, uh, unbelievable. Okay, so team coach number two, what did he do? This sounds bad, but it just is what he did. He picked the second worst player in the wall. Okay, and it was the most upside-down ball game you've ever seen in your life. But I'm telling you, something happens when the Holy Spirit is on the inside because He does a work that's bigger than what's on the outside. He can make the outside look better just because of the joy that He places on the inside. I preach often about biblical disciplines of a true follower, a, a lot, because that's I think that's as pastor I want to help all of us move forward in our, in our journey. I preach about prayer, Bible study, witnessing, being faithful. To the church serving stewardship giving our money trusting God with our resources I preach about all that stuff but I've become keenly aware that I might entertain somebody's brain for a minute make them think a little bit I will never change a heart I will never change a soul okay that takes the work and the power of the Holy Spirit I, I have to let that go because I get, if not I get frustrated in the flesh All right. And so I have to let it go. Let God do what only God can do. And what God does, he pushes past the gray matter. He goes right down to the core of your being, to the soul of who you are. And when he rings, pushes that button and rings that bell, there ain't no turning back. And so I have to learn to let that happen. So Romans 8 says, verse 11 moreover if the spirit of the one who raised jesus from the dead lives in you the one who raised christ from the dead will also make your mortal bodies alive through his spirit who lives in you he heals you he begins a work on the inside of you that baggage that stuff those bad decisions those addictions and hang-ups and mess-ups, all of that stuff, the Holy Spirit comes in and He begins to saturate you with healing. And you move from all these regrets and dragging this junk around, this luggage, this baggage, to a place where He snips them and you walk free and you move forward and there ain't no going back and there ain't no looking back. Because what you see in your future is so much better than anything the devil placed in your past. He appeals, he feels, he reveals, he heals, and lastly, he seals. S-E-A-L-S, he seals you. Ephesians 1 verse 13 says, After you heard the word of truth, this is, this is the protocol for everybody who ever is born again. For every child of God, it begins like this. You heard the word of truth. Maybe you heard it by reading your Bible, and you heard it from the Holy Spirit. Maybe you heard it in a context like this, where you were in a church and the preacher preached. Maybe you heard it from a parent or grandparent or a friend. But you heard the truth. The real truth, God's word, truth, and something about it penetrated all of the calluses, all of the flesh, uh, all of the flesh uh, barriers, and it went down in your soul, and you knew it was true. He says, "So you heard the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after now you believed." So first, everybody has to hear the word of truth. Okay. Secondly, people have to believe. They have to trust in what they've heard. <clears throat> Thirdly, he says, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So this is cool. I, be- I don't believe once saved, always saved. Let me just get that real clear. I believe if saved, always saved. If you're truly saved, you save forever, and you cannot get out from under it. Okay. Now listen to me. I am free as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, sealed in the Holy Spirit, to do whatever I want to. Now, when I got saved, He changed my want-to's. Okay. Not only that, but I I, I can sin. However, I could go murder somebody today. I don't want to. I could go shoot heroin today. I don't know why I would. Okay. I could go have an adulterous relationship today. I don't know why I would. Got a wonderful wife. Okay, I I can do whatever I want to do and still be a Christian. Why? Because me being a Christian is not dependent on how good I am. Me being a Christian is is only because of how perfect Jesus is. Okay? My eternity is sealed. My future is nailed to a cross. My future is fixed in time. And there's not a thing in this world I can do about it. Because when I heard it, I received it, and He sealed me. I can't outrun the seal. I can't erase the seal. I can't do enough bad to make the seal disappear. I've been sealed. I am marked. You can't see it, and I can't see it, but when God sees me, He sees a mark that says, Child of Mine. He marked me. He sealed me. That's what He does. Now, if you look up in the Greek, and to, de- to define this word seal, listen to what it means. It means to stamp with a seal. It means to distinguish with a mark. It means to mark distinctively as invested with a certain character. It means to seal as if one, one's own possession. It means to, to impress with the mark of acceptance. It means to make a solemn declaration. When I got saved as a 10 year old boy, it's because I heard the word of truth and I believed it. I was an idiot. I didn't understand all of it, but I believed it. I believe somehow, some way, the God who spoke the stars into existence was inviting me into his presence. Can't understand that. You can't either. Don't pretend like you can. Okay. I don't know why God loved me. And I'll be honest, some of y'all, I don't know why I loved you either, but he's God And He's love. And that's what happens. And then He sealed me in that moment. And it's the word sealed means a deposit. It's like earnest money of greater things to come. It's the beginning of the relationship between us and God. Do you have the Holy Spirit in your life? How would you know? Here's how you know. Do you sense His presence? You should. Do you have peace in your life? And this... Tumultuous, messed up world? You can. Do you sense conviction about living a wrong life? If the Holy Spirit lives in you, you'll feel it. Do you sense His direction helping you navigate this broken world? You will. Adrian Rogers said a person or a church without the power of the Holy Spirit is a farce and not a force. He said that it is a disgrace to amazing grace and maybe your life today you say you're a Christian maybe your life is a disgrace to amazing grace maybe you don't live your life is a farce and not a force to be reckoned with it doesn't have to stay that way God is always reaching out to us encouraging us inviting us to a new level of our journey with him he comes to appeal to feel to reveal, to heal, and to seal. I ain't afraid of that ghost. Now, what does that look like, to be led by the Spirit of God? preacher has it all figured out, you know? The devil, he can't get close to the preacher, right? That's a lie. preacher don't have it all figured out, and the devil hates the preacher more than he hates you. And so Father's Day this year, just a few weeks ago, June 21st, I preached a message because Jesus introduced us to God the Father. And the title of the message was, The Best Father Ever. And I studied hard all week. I gave it all I had for two services outside. 9 and 10.30, I was in a full-blown sweat. I I did all I could do. But I looked out there, and there were people that I thought should be there that just didn't come to church that week, okay? And then they took up the offering, and and our people have been great. Y'all have been great. An offering, but that day it was just low. Okay, I was tired because I'd preached hard. I was driving my dad's old pickup truck. I got in my truck right here at 12:30. I made my way home. Kendra was cooking lasagna for uh, for Father's Day. I think that's right. No, for for my birthday. Maybe it's for my birthday. Anyway, I, before I got out of the parking lot, the devil he's shooting arrows, man and they're landing, they're landing, they're penetrating, okay, I'm talking about heavy, I got over here at the corner of Central Avenue and Beaver Creek, and there's a traffic light there, and if you travel that road, it's a long traffic light, I parked there, and this is what, I was listening to the wrong spirit, and this is what he said, you're not, you're not the guy for the job, you're not communicating well because if you were they would understand if you were they would attend faithfully and they wouldn't have everything else on the priority list above the church and above the Lord Jesus and if you were a good communicator people would understand when you're telling them they need to trust God with resources they would give their money instead of hoarding it and and if you were the man of God doing what God's called you to do and doing it well then then all of this stuff and all this stuff man it's in the, it's in the cab of the truck <laughs> one after another man and they're hitting me and I hit a dark spot I don't hit I'm a, I'm a big guy man I'm going to heaven forever all right but in that moment man a cloud came in that pickup truck and I just in the moment I felt like Job so I just I thought I'd act like Job I started belly aching to God and I said, God, if I'm not your guy, move me aside, put somebody else in there. We're right in the middle of a pandemic building a building over here. I don't know, <laughs> you know. Just a little pity party. And the Holy Spirit, who lives in me, spoke up. And he said, Whose church is that anyway? And I said, Well, that would be yours. And he said, And who said that they were going to build the church and the gates of hell wouldn't prevail? I said, well, that'd be you too. That'd be Jesus said that. So then he just spoke up, pushed through all those flaming darts of of the enemy, and he said, then, why don't you do what we've called you to do? And we'll do what we promised we would do. (laughs) And I said, yeah, I like that. And as quick as it came, it was gone. Light turned green, drove home, enjoyed some lasagna, and it was gone. But I'm telling you, that's why We don't need to be afraid of that ghost because He comes along beside us and helps us and encourages us and fills us and empowers us and directs us. That's who the Holy Spirit is. And that's why Jesus introduced us to Him in John chapter 14. And we saw the revelation and the manifestation of Him in Acts chapter 2 because He sent Him to help us. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you have a religion. Religion will get you nowhere. Religion was introduced in Genesis. It's where we try to fix ourselves. When Adam and Eve made fig leaf clothing to hide their nakedness, that's where religion came. When we think we can do something to impress or cover up before God. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a personal relationship with Jesus. We're talking about being born again, having a spiritual relationship birth. If that's you today, the Holy Spirit would be speaking to you about right now. Letting you know where you stand before Him. And if He's letting you know that you are not where you should be, here's how you respond. Lord God, I I hear you speaking to my soul. I didn't really come here for that today, but I feel it and I know it's you. So right now, I want to place my faith. I hear your word of truth. I want to believe that. I want to give all of my brokenness to all of your perfection in exchange. I don't understand that exchange, but I want that. Come into my life. Jesus, you died on a cross to forgive me. I receive your forgiveness. Fill me with your Holy Spirit from this day forward and help me walk in an intimate personal relationship with you God the one who created me with a purpose and a plan thank you for hearing my prayer now many of us today may simply need to say God I've been walking in the flesh I'm born again I know I'm saved but I don't feel your power I don't feel your presence so I want to receive your spirit today fill me with your spirit and help me live for you sold out full and free from this day forward in Jesus name Amen why is it important that we ask every day why is it important that we want to be filled with the spirit every day why is it important that we surrender every day Luke chapter 11 says how much more will the Holy Spirit give those who simply ask We gotta ask every day. Holy Spirit, I give myself to you. Help me on this day. I want you to stand. We're gonna sing. And if you made a decision today, nothing better to do than to seal it in prayer. And the altar's open. If you wanna come down to these steps and pray, you can. If you want prayer from me or help with a decision, come see me. I'll be standing over here in the corner. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.